the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the Old Testament, you have the major and minor prophets. If uh, you were voting on which of the prophets had the most unusual name, I believe today's prophet that we're studying would be the guy, Habakkuk. And uh, we find him as he was complaining to the Lord, and he was saying, how long, O Lord, how long? That's not an unusual question. Uh, It's asking the book of Revelation about uh, how long are the suffering to go on? So I think it's that way with us as well. So Habakkuk the prophet is a prophet not only for that day but for our day. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you today. And as we look at the book of Habakkuk, as we're studying the prophets, kings, and kingdoms, Alex, Habakkuk is. I, listen, I just it's uh, okay. Habakkuk, we don't have Alex yet. We're working on it, and so. Uh, We'll find out when he does, but uh, Alex would say, yes, he is a prophet for our day. Matter of fact, we find, we don't know that much about Habakkuk, and uh, notice he he had a burden, and uh, the Old Testament prophets always went, their calling was from a vision, a word, or a burden. Uh, The burden was something that they were weighted down with. It's usually a vision that they saw, and it was such a burden to them and heavy for them. They didn't know what to do. Habakkuk seems that way. So what Habakkuk did, he went from sighing in chapter 1, as someone said, to singing in chapter 3. In chapters 1 and 2, he is making his complaints. It's the problems that, that he sees, and he talks to God. God talks to him. He says, oh, God, what you want to do, I don't want you to do. And then God tells him some more. And after it's through, Habakkuk is praising and singing songs to the Lord. So today, that's what we want to look at. He was the prophet right before the Babylonians would come, and they would take the Judah, the southern kingdom, captive. He would take them captive, and that would uh, they would settle down into uh, Babylonia, become a part of their culture, although they kept their identity. Now, that's what we're to do as believers. We live in in this world. It's a fallen world. It's a difficult world. But we keep our identity with Christ. Uh, That's what they said in Romans. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And so as we do that, we're to keep our identity uh, in Christ Jesus, regardless of our surroundings, regardless of our circumstances. And here... uh, Uh, Habakkuk starts out and with his complaint, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you'll not save? Do you see his complaint there, how long shall I do this? And then he goes on. He has a whole list of issues, his problems. Why do you show me iniquity? And cause me to see trouble, for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. This is society coming apart at the seams. Now, I'll just tell you, 
when I read Habakkuk and his complaints, and I hear what a lot of us as followers of Jesus Christ have to say about the society that we're living in, uh, I think we would decry and we would say the same thing that Habakkuk's doing. And so God does reply. Uh, I, I love this. God does answer Habakkuk. He has something to say. And he says in verse 5, look among the nations and watch. And listen to this next phrase, be utterly amazed. Uh, and Habakkuk would be. He would be utterly amazed at who God was going to use and what God was going to do. That would wipe him away. Sometimes we're amazed at God's grace, but here it seems like in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, Habakkuk is amazed at God's judgment in who he's going to use. Uh, Alex, I think you've joined us now. We had trouble making that connection, but I've gone over the introduction to Habakkuk, and I've come down. We've gone over his complaints in verses 2 through 4, but now mm -hmm. God replies, and he says, be utterly amazed at what I'm going to do. I think that is a uh, phrase that we could say about God in any uh, society or any generation. Be utterly amazed at who God is and how he operates and what he does. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And Bert, you've done a great intro. I've, I've been hearing you since uh, the beginning of the show. Oh, and we just couldn't hear you, huh? Okay. I know. Yeah. I've been preaching up a storm over here, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I got patched in. But isn't it interesting? I've got my good old trusty King James with me. And in verse six, uh, well, verse five, behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe though it be, would be told you. You know what? We always use this phrase. We'll say, you are not going to believe it. Yep. And here it is several hundred years before the birth of Christ, that phrase yeah, you know, this is something God's going to do. You would not believe even if we told you that that saying goes back a long way. But in verse six in chapter one of Habakkuk, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land, meaning the entirety of it across the whole land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Bert, there's a lot of treachery. In verse 6 of chapter 1, isn't there? There is, but the thing that I believe that amazes, is going to amaze Habakkuk, is who he's using, the Chaldeans. God's raising up the Chaldeans. This is the Babylonia. This is it. They were more evil than, the, than Judah, who he was complaining about. Now, what we're doing in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 what Habakkuk is, claim, uh, is talking about is this Hebrew on Hebrew crying. I'm, I'm going to use it that way. You know, and, that's a great way to put it. It is. And, 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 and uh, Habakkuk said, how long are you going to put up with this? And then he says to Habakkuk, I'm going to use the Chaldeans to, to, you know, make a difference. And Habakkuk doesn't like that. You're going to use somebody that's meaner than the meanest people here in Judah to discipline us, um, it is amazing who God uses sometimes for good and sometimes for the evil as well to take care of. 
Well, and you know, we've talked about this many times, Bert. Very often, you know, the judgment of God is in merely God allowing things to happen um, that are, you know, I, I think so much of the time we'd be very grateful to know how much evil God restrains, don't you think? Oh, listen, it. I heard it this way as Bertha Smith, uh, I quote her, she was a great missionary in China, just one of the greatest, she was there at the great Shantung revival that really set China up. Uh, when they before they went into the communist under the communist rule, that there was this great revival that took place in China that would help operate the underground church for generations and thousands, yes, millions would be saved because of them. But she was talking about you would not believe what God filters out what could happen to you. Oh my word! And he, yes. she'd say there's a seethe over you, and God filters out most of the evil that would come upon you. I, and, I agree you know, with your statement, Alex. You got well, it. Well, I've heard a lot of people, you know, they lament the bad things that happen, but why don't we praise God for the good things that happen? And, you know, we, we need to praise God for the things that he spares us from. Bert, um, you, you remember the great Adrian Rogers, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, he preached a message, maybe it's online, and I, I vividly remember hearing this probably 15 years ago. Adrian Rogers it was called America, the Crown Has Fallen. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I have. Yes, I have. And he preached about Isaiah 5, 5, where it says, I tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. See, there's a hedge of protection around people when they walk with the Lord. There is. And now when people deviate or nations deviate, that hedge of protection, and you might think of God's powerful arms of protection, or you might think of a, of a wall around a garden to keep out, you know, the deer or whatever. But uh, with these Chaldeans, let me go back to the Chaldeans that are going to trample Israel. They're going to possess the breadth of the land and take the houses that are not theirs. Bert, do you remember when we were teaching like in the, um, the Pentateuch, and by the way, P-E-N-T, like, uh, you know, Pentagon, five sides, well, five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and that's the, the books of Moses very often called. Well, there's a phrase that occurs in the Old Testament in the Pentateuch called, quote, the people of the land. And these were Mesopotamian tribes that migrated around, and they would settle in different places and one of the Mesopotamian groups that got strong for a while were the Chaldeans. And remember Abraham had come from Ur of the Chaldees and now the Chaldeans don't exist today. Uh, but Bert, you know, Abraham was called out by God from the Chaldees. He became the father of Israel, the great nation that would bring forth the Messiah. And you know, I don't know if it was jealousy over land, jealousy over success in livestock and agriculture, jealousy over a call from God, but the people of the land, and especially the Chaldeans, and if you went back enough centuries, they probably were distant relatives of Abraham, but they didn't like Israel, and they, they had every 
anytime they had a chance to oppose Israel, they took that chance, didn't they? They did. They were surrounded by the enemies even then, Assyria, Babylon, uh, the whole idea, just like Israel, modern-day Israel, surrounded by those that would want to destroy them. That's been the location, and that's been their history. And when you read these verses 7 through 11, you find out, again, uh, we haven't got a lot of time. We're just taking a bird's-eye view, but we're talking about a fierce army. We're talking about an evil people, similar to what the Assyrians were. They were as well. Uh, not, I, I would say, not as sadistic, but they were very difficult, hard to deal with. Now, notice what happens in verse 12 right before we go to break. And this is the second problem that Habakkuk has. He, he says, how long are you going to let this violence take place, Hebrew against Hebrew? God tells mm. him what he's going to do with the Chaldeans, and here is his second problem. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you mm -hmm. have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You've marked the Chaldeans for the correction. God, I don't like who you're choosing. Alex, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but, I have to admit, uh, I haven't liked all of God's choices either, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, because let, let me just say this. There are going to be times in your Christian life when you're going to be opposed and oppressed by people that are ungodly. And yet, if you'll let the Lord, he'll use those things in your life to make you, his child, more godly. And there's always a temptation to get bitter, things like that. But we need to let God use the tools of his choice in our life, don't we? We do. Now, we're going to go to chapter 2. Listen to the first. I will stand my watch. What do you do? You take your stand where God has you no matter what is coming our way. And we're going to go into that right after we come back from the break. You're listening to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland with you today in the book of Habakkuk. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Alice Lugo, Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security. Her office serves as DHS's primary liaison to Congress. Ecclesiastes 4.9 reminds us of the importance of working together. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Alice Lugo in her work at the Department of Homeland Security. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says our physical addictions have spiritual roots, explaining why human solutions can't break them. So what will? We'll find out as we spend two minutes with Tony. You say, I got an alcohol problem. Well, you may not have an alcohol problem. What you may have is alcohol being infused by the devil, creating a stronghold that you call an addiction. That's the difference between an addiction and stronghold. An addiction means that I am being held hostage by a certain habit. A stronghold is I am held hostage by a certain habit that is now under satanic influence and control. 
A stronghold is where the spiritual enters into the thing, where the vulture descends and lands on the problem. When a demon descends and lands on the issue, the issue has now become a spiritual stronghold that cannot be fixed by normal activity. See, one of the reasons that we can't shake things that are wrong in our lives is we haven't figured out what the real cause is. And so the doctor can't fix it, the budget people can't fix it, the counselors can't fix it, and we bent over with this problem that we can't shake even though we go to church, not realizing it was caused by the devil and kept by the devil and can only be cured spiritually. So we look for everything but the supernatural and the spiritual to fix what the devil has caused. And trust me, if the devil caused it, only Jesus can fix it. Learn how prayer can help to break strongholds and defeat the devil. Check out Tony's CD series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We're studying the book of Habakkuk. Now, not in detail. We're taking a bird's eye view of the man, as much as we know, and his book. And we've gone through this, looking at all the prophets. And in chapter 2, Alex, I just this is what he says. Uh, after he announced all the problems he was having with uh, who God was choosing, he says, I will stand my watch, I'll set myself on the rampart, I'll set my place in the tower, and watch to see what God will say to me, and what I'll answer when I am reproved. Uh, do you think Habakkuk... So he knew it. Yeah, he knew he had, didn't have the right attitude. Uh, I, a lot, you know, if we don't have the right attitude, sometimes our actions follow in disobedience, but sometimes our actions are okay, but attitude's still not right. Need to get attitude right, and and guess what's going to happen to Habakkuk? After God answers him yes. this time, he's going to get his attitude right, isn't he? Well, he really is. And you know, Habakkuk chapter 2, I've heard many a revival sermon out of this message, haven't you? I have. I, listen, I, this chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, especially the last four, uh, if you're listening for a sermon or a lesson, Spend some time there. It you'll you'll develop a good one. Go ahead, Alex. You, you you really will. You know, Doctor Dobson years ago wrote a book called Disappointment with God, and there are times. Let, let me just say this, folks. Sometimes we we do get disappointed with our circumstances, and we get even impatient, and uh, we might even there might sometimes be with circumstances the temptation to get angry. But don't don't ever get disappointed with the Lord, because the Lord is faithful. Honestly. If you just wait, give God time. Not only is God faithful, but if you let him, he'll do he'll do you better than you ever <laughs> dreamed. Preach I mean, it, brother. Uh, Amen. Brothers and sisters, whatever your heart's desire is, your highest goal, if it's a godly goal, making sure, you know, check your heart, make sure it's right. I promise you, I promise you, not only will God come through for you, but it'll be better 
than you ever dreamed for yourself. I sense in verse 1 of chapter 2, I will stand upon my watch, set me upon the tower. In other words, I'm up here on this tower. I'm going to look and see what happens. Yeah, I am, yeah. And uh, I, I, what is God going to say when I'm reproved? Um, do I sense in the prophet a little desperation and maybe even frustration? He is. He he does. <clears throat> he doesn't like what God has said. And so he, he says it, and God replies. And notice what and, God and says. He says, I write say it this. down. Now, again, yeah, write this down. Uh, it's going and, to happen. God, it's going to happen. Yeah, go ahead. Well, God, forgive me for jumping in there, but verse 2 and following is so important because God does not rebuke him, and God does not, God is not um, cruel or anything like, you know, you better pipe down. You know who this is, I'm, you know. <laughs> The Lord answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. When you get a directive from God, write it down. That's why I really encourage you, Bert and I both have encouraged you, keep a prayer journal, keep a praise journal. Uh, Bert, is it in, important to keep a praise journal and look back over and see what things God has done for you? It is, and I, I just want to tell you, you remember Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, he wrote it down and uh, they tore it up, and God says, write it again. You know, uh, there's there's yeah. something about Aren't you glad these prophets wrote this down? God said, write it down. But notice what he says. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Mm. The vision that I've given you about the Chaldeans coming in and what they're going to do is an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it. That really needs to be preached, though it tarries. Makes me think of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Alex, uh, Paul really thought he might come back in his time. The sure, Christians sure. in Thessalonica, they were sure he was coming back, and some of them were just sitting around waiting for him to come back. But though he tarries, he will come. And though the judgment is not not tomorrow, but it is coming, it is coming. And uh, it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, verse 4 is a verse that has, listen, Habakkuk changed the world when he wrote down verse 4. Behold, mm. the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Real quickly, and then, Alex, I want to do this and throw it back to you. He, that's in chapter 2, verse 4. Paul would quote it in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. He had quoted again, Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. The writer of Hebrews quoted it in Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther Amen. would read Paul's writings, and it changed the world at that time. And then Amen. John Wesley would read Martin Luther's commentary on the just shall live by faith, and it would change his world, and he would change the United Kingdom, no and even the, I would say, the eastern seaboard of the United States. The just shall live by faith. That statement has changed the world, Alex. Amen. Amen. You are made right with the Lord through faith. Justification. Now, I know this is kind of a big technical theological word, but that word ought to be very special to each and every one of us. Justified. You're made right in the sight of God. You're made right, and you're in a relationship with God. And you've moved moved from a posture of judgment and adversarial posture 
to you're a friend of God. How? By faith. And, and you're right, Bert. I mean, my goodness, Hebrew, uh, Habakkuk 2.4 really has changed the world. And hey, by the way, before we move on too much, um, you know, write the vision. Uh, that he may run who reads it. It's amazing to me. I love missionary stories. I love even the stories of successful entrepreneurs and businesses and, and how they write things down. And, you know, in terms of ministry, Bert, I remember the Billy Graham ministry, and oh my goodness, how blessed I was. I had this story told to me by Cliff Barrows and Bev Shea themselves, how they went to Modesto, California, and they wrote the vision for the Billy Graham ministry, and then for the next 60-plus years, they would live it out. But they, Billy Graham, Bev Shea, Cliff Barrows, and their team, Grady Wilson, T.W. Wilson, uh, but they, they got a vision, and they wrote it down. Bert, isn't it important to write the vision, pray over the vision, be patient with the vision? It's for an appointed time. Though it tarry, it will come. And and be willing to carry out the vision, but don't get proud. Look at verse 4 again. The soul that is lifted up is not upright in him, and again, we're justified by faith. Let me say this, too. We're sanctified by faith, aren't we? I <laughs> listen. Mean, we with, have to trust God. Uh, without faith, listen to this, it is impossible to please God. That's it. It is impossible to please God. The first time Jesus came to earth, he looked for faith. There's only two times in the New Testament that it said Jesus marveled or he wondered or was amazed, and it was all both connected with faith. Uh, it was in, uh, you know, he was in Nazareth, and it says he could do no great works there because of their lack of faith, and he was amazed. And then when the centurion came to him and said, Heal my servant, and he said, I'm a man under authority just like you. All you have to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. You don't even have to go to him. And Jesus said these words, I have not found so great a faith, not even in Israel. What does that mean, I have not found? That's what he's looking for. And and so here it is, yeah. the just shall the live question. by faith. Amen. Now, Alex, the rest of chapter and, 2, I, I want to get to this because I we got to get to the singing, the praise that Habakkuk does. We know how he was down. Amen. And, and I'm, you can come back there, but I want to show this. Look, if you would, at verse 6, it says, uh, the middle part of it, woe to him. Verse 9, woe to him. Verse 12, woe to him. Verse verse 15, woe to him. And then finally, in verse 19, woe to him. These are the woes that he gives. And it's to people who are coveting, those who are angry, those who kill, those who are violent, those who are immoral, those who are drunkard. The whole idea is their whole society had had come to an end, and this is why, now what God is doing is showing Habakkuk why the Chaldeans are going to come in judgment even against God's people, but God lets him know that it's not over. Uh, verse 20, now you can go back and cover all this, but I wanted to make sure and get to this. But the Lord is in his holy temple. After all those woes, here's what he said, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Now, what would we say today, even though the world is coming apart, even though uh, government is trying to reach out to, to hurt religious liberty and so many other things in the world, Christians are being killed in Nigeria, in North Korea, God is still on his throne. That's when I read yes. verse, chapter 2, verse 20. 
even though all this has taken place, God is in his holy temple, we'd say he's still on his throne. Would 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 I think I would say Amen. that. Isn't that right? Well, absolutely. And of course in chapter three, there's this famous verse, you know, where he says, um, O Lord, I heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. And you remember in Psalm eighty five where it said, you know, we have heard with our ears the uh, the things the Lord did, we have heard with our ears how he has driven out the heathen and the mountains melted at his presence. By the way, Psalm 85 is very much like Isaiah 64. Uh, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, his glory covered, covered the heavens. Uh, notice they take hope in the, the not only the power and the person of God, but the works of God. Bert, isn't it good to think back on the great works that the Lord has done? Hey, Amen, Alex. Good word. Uh, generation to generation, I would say, uh, and revive your work in the midst of the years. And I, when the pandemic was first announced and the draconian uh, rules that they tried to put up on, religious liberty seemed to be being under attack. I felt like America itself was under judgment. Now, I'm not going to say from at what level, you know, from 1 to 10, at what level are we under judgment? I can't answer that. I don't know because when I look at yeah, others that know. are under great judgment, but I do believe chapter 2, verse 1, the latter part is a verse for our time. In wrath for the, for the Christians, in wrath, remember mercy. Oh, God, while you're pouring out your judgment, because we're killing babies, we're we're uh, having denying your creation and your redemption. We're denying everything you are and trying to go differently. Everything without you, in wrath, oh God, remember mercy, Alex. Uh, you know, I, that's my prayer. If you want to know, I've taken Habakkuk chapter two verse one, uh, excuse me, chapter three verse two as a verse that I'm claiming to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And you know what? God does always, even in wrath, there is mercy. Uh, verse 4 of chapter 3, there's a description of the brightness of his coming that sounds almost like the depiction of Jesus in the book of Revelation. There's the elements, the, the pestilence, and the different things that are under his control. Verse 6 of chapter 3, he stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. You know, some of this sounds like uh, almost the, the end of time. But here's the thing. Just like the instruments on your dash panel, they're evaluating oil pressure, temperature. You know, all the gauges on your car are constantly evaluating how the systems are working. God is evaluating. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, and God knows every heart. And when it says he measured the earth, Bert. <laughs> I think he's measuring the earth even now. Yeah, he and can measure it with his hand, Alex. You know, uh, it's it, but yeah. But spiritually, the measuring stick by which we are evaluated is the Word of God. The Word of God. And, now, notice how do that, you know that? Yeah. What's the last words in verse six? His ways are everlasting. In other words, Amen. his ways, his thoughts. That's what the world will be judged by. That's what we will be judged by. Not some inconspicuous thought, not one that moves the goalpost, 
but it's through Jesus Christ, his word, that is stranded. We've got about three or four more minutes, and I wanted to get to verse 13 and 18 real quickly. Just mention them real quickly, and then you take us out. Verse 13 says, you went forth for the salvation of your people. Isn't that beautiful? For salvation with your anointed. Amen. You struck the head of the house, the wicked, by laying bared from the foundation to neck. Now, Alex, that's salvation of your people. But he doesn't end completely with salvation. Look at verse 18. Yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy joy in the God of my salvation. Make that real. It's your people's salvation for their salvation. But in verse 18, I'll joy in the God of my salvation. Alex, it's personal, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And, you know, we draw a lot of lessons from this. Look, God is always in control. Um, This bird, if I'm correct, wasn't this about 150 years after Jonah preached at Nineveh? Yes, it was. It's about 615. uh, Right. You know, they would. It was. This was going to happen. He was preaching it. Yes. And the Babylonians uh, took 10,000 captives, really, from Jerusalem back to Babylon. And that sounds terrible, and, and it was. But in that group of captives, that uh, some people you might remember, Hananiah, Mishael, Meshach, you remember them? I do. And Daniel. And God would raise them up and use them. God would do mighty, mighty things through their life. And, and let me read a little bit of this as um, Habakkuk ends about this judgment that's coming from another Mesopotamian group. He says, my belly trembled, but even in this, he said, I rejoice in the joy of God, my Savior and my salvation. Folks, stay tuned. Exploring the Word is going to come back. We're going to take your Bible questions on this edition of the show. Exploring the Word is back after this. Don't go away. There are some horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the most recent reports provided by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers looked at fertility rates for women of all age groups and ethnicities and found the nationwide rate was 16% lower than what is needed for a population to replace itself. There has been much discussion about the demographic winter in various European countries. Well, that demographic winter has reached the United States. 
The first command God gave mankind in Scripture was be fruitful. But man has the penchant to fancy his own ways over God's. Rejecting God's ways always carries severe consequences. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul tells us, Love endures all things. Love never fails. In the army, a soldier is responsible for his assigned post. A good soldier never, ever abandons his post. He doesn't leave when it gets really hard or when there's something else he'd rather do. He endures in his assignment. Well, the Bible says that love endures all things. In the original language of the Bible, the word endure is a military word that refers to a soldier standing at his post. So like a good soldier, love doesn't leave its post. Real love doesn't stop loving. Love endures all things. Love never fails. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. That's how Habakkuk closes. Even though there's no oil in the in the, the containers and there's no fruit on the vine, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Well, that's a great inspiring word for all of us to rejoice in God. Hey, I want to give the number. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If you've got a Bible question, call us. Today is your day to call in with a Bible question, and Bert and I will do our very best to give a good answer. And Bert, how about we go down to Texas? We love Texas, and we love Texans. Uh, John, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert and Alex, good to hear from you. Dude, as Christians, we got to love everybody, every state, and the whole world. Okay, I'll make this quick. Uh, Bert, you kind of, I mean, Alex, you kind of brought this out. Uh, sometimes God allows bad things to happen. There's an infinite amount of goodness in all bad things. Okay, just look at the cross. How cruel and inhumane was Jesus' punishment. Okay, John. I, yeah, I think yeah. we might be losing. Yeah, you, but... we're listening, but we got his. We got we got the thrust. If he has a connection better, we can listen. But Alex, John is exactly right, and here it is: Romans eight twenty eight. And if you read that, God is the initiator of good. He's not the initiator of the evil. Uh, what it does, God works all things for good, even those things that are difficult and hard. 
Let God have control, and you'll watch it. Now, Alex, I found out uh, through some, not in my own life, but testimonies of people that were right at their death. Uh, they didn't know what God had let things happen, but I'm assured on the other side, when we get the complete story and we can connect all the dots, we see what God permitted in our lives to work for good, even though it was harsh and difficult, brother. You know, if ever there were a saint of God, it's Johnny Erickson Tata, and we've had her speak in a couple of events, and she was paralyzed in a diving accident. And look, you know, 40 years into her injury and her paralysis, she could be bitter, she could have been, you know, angry at God, but no, she just glows. She and her husband, Ken Tata, they've shared the stage with Billy Graham and different ones, and Johnny is a world ambassador for Jesus. And I've heard her say privately and from the stage, she said, I thank God for my injury because it gave me my purpose. It brought me to Jesus. And the caller said this, Bird. I love this little statement. The caller said, even in the bad things, there's an infinite amount of God's goodness. If, if we let that shine through, isn't there? There is. And on the cross, I heard this, and he mentioned that. Satan was doing his worst, and that's when God does his best. Mm. And uh, that is so true. John, even though you broke off, you got your point across, and we rejoice in it. Where did we go to next, Alex? Oh, the wonderful place called Oklahoma. Rob, in Oklahoma, we welcome you. Thank you guys for having me on. Yes, sir, yeah. brother. Welcome. Um, this is something that's always kind of, you know, I guess put up a little bit of doubt in, you know, everything. Uh, you know, prophets, visions, and dreams. You know, a lot of the a lot of the Bible is written on someone's dreams or someone's prophets or, or prophets. You know, there's the vision that they had. Um. You know, everybody can have dreams and stuff, so it just it just puts up that little bit of doubt that is this really the case? You know, why? why? I mean, that that's that's where I struggle. Maybe you guys can help me understand where you know the, these prophets had these visions and dreams. You know, and that's really what that's really what so much of the Bible is made up in. Rob, thank you, thank you for expressing that and calling in about that. I want to skip the prophets for a moment and go to the New Testament to a man called Joseph who would be that man that would raise the Lord Jesus Christ. Each time that there was something that was about to happen and and the issue would come up, a decision had to be made whether to marry Mary or put her away, whether to get out of, of Bethlehem and move on, whether in Egypt and needing to come back, God let Joseph have a dream. Alex, I'll put it this yeah. way. I think those dreams were selected by God for the individuals for that time. Uh, I don't think it's like every dream has meaning, but God did yeah. and has and used dreams. Yeah. Um, you know, in Psalm 139, verse 4, says, there's not a word on my tongue, O Lord, but that you know it all together. See, one of the ways that our Creator 
and Savior interacts with us is in our, our thought life. 1 John 2.27 says the, the Holy Spirit of God abides in us and teaches us all things. So God can communicate with his children. And uh, let me say, if you're asleep having a dream, but it's a dream from God, you're more awake than the most conscious person whose eyes are open. And so these dreams and visions uh, of the prophets in the Bible, um, Bert, I do believe they were from God. You know, when uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and God spoke and uh, the vision uh, Ezekiel and, you know, measuring the temple. They remember God was bringing forth Israel through whom to bring forth the son of God. And all this time he was giving the word of God. And so uh, since the spirit of the Lord moves throughout our mind and our soul, he can speak to us. And sometimes that mode of communication has been dreams and visions. Doing the other program that I do exploring missions uh, and talking with my son, Nathan, that is co-host of that program. Uh, those five years that he spent working with refugees uh, here in America that had been in Muslim countries, difficult, they'd been in refugee camps for 14 years, many of them would have dreams about someone that they knew. And when they told them about Jesus, many of them would say, that's who my dreams are about. And so, Alex, God does use dreams now. Now, when people say, oh, I have a dream, I say, listen, I'm not doubting your dream, but we have a more sure word, and that's the word of God. The word of God, the reason we have all the prophets in the Old Testament, and they had dreams and they had visions, they they had some of the Psalms, and yes, they had the first five books, the Pentateuch, as you said, but God gave them a, even more revelation and i praise yes. god that they wrote those dreams and visions down well when we have a bit more time on far away friday i'm going to tell you about how god distinctly led angie and me through a dream when i was finishing up seminary but right now mark in texas mark thanks for holding welcome to exploring the word thank you sir i have just this curiosity when jesus was going through the uh, crucifixion and it was the Romans that were uh, going. Rome, what did this happen? And if it did that happen in Rome, uh, because in my mind, when we think of the Romans, it might have happened in Rome, but I don't think it did. Okay. So where did that crucifixion happen? Thank you, Mark. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thank you for calling. Uh, mm. Let me just remind you, the Roman Empire uh, it was the it was huge. It was on three continents. It was in Europe, it was in Asia, and it was in Africa. And so the Romans would have been everywhere in that empire. Take it from there, Alex. Well, yeah, thank you. And and yes, um, crucifixion was a means of execution that the Romans had really perfected. But because it says Roman soldiers, like in Matthew 27. Um, you don't think it's the city of Rome. It was in Jerusalem. The Bible says he was crucified on Golgotha, a hill outside of Jerusalem. And by the way, even, um, let me read you a quote that's really good. There's uh, uh, one scholar, John McIntyre, says, Even those scholars and critics who have been moved to depart from almost everything within the Bible about Christ's presence. Even these liberal scholars, quote, have found it impossible to deny 
the factuality of the death of Jesus Christ. So what do we know? It was, it was in Jerusalem, really outside the city walls, because that was part of the, the sin bearer would have to go outside the city. But um, while the Roman soldiers were definitely complicit with it, it happened actually in Jerusalem. And what a wonderful question, Mark, and praise God for that. Let's go uh, to Steve. Steve in Texas, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was wanting to ask, uh, do you think by not taking the vaccine that we are tempting God? That's a good question. Bert, I, I, I'll, I I'll go I, first. I go, yeah, go I do not. Uh, we What we're saying is here, I say it, you do your research and find out. Uh, I don't want to downplay the vaccination. Don't hear me saying that, but it's something that those that choose not to take it, not testing God, uh, not tempting God, they, you know, Alex, uh, it's not tempting God not to, uh, right, you know, right. uh, what, what we know about the vaccine, it's still a little bit unknown. Uh, we don't know the long range effects of the vaccine we don't necessarily know the real real long uh you know uh, what's going to happen with the virus if it has long lasting about four or five years from now what will the result be we don't know that remember what we talked about we live by faith we love we live trusting god no matter you take the vaccine or not it's still by faith that we trust god well, exactly. And you know what, Bert, I uh, interviewed um, a medical doctor Friday. I know good, godly, born-again doctors that have said no way uh, on the vaccine. I know good, godly, born-again doctors that said it's good, go for it. Um, on the virus, the research is kind of all over the map. On the vaccine and its implications, the research is all over the map. And Bert, I, I admit um, it, it is hard to make a reasoned, informed decision. But but I'll, I'll say why it's not tempting God not to take it, I think, because, look, uh, another thing that plays in is lifestyle. I mean, there, there are people that might live and not travel and get in crowds and might not hardly need the vaccine, you know? Um so I think this is one of those things that everybody's going to have to do their uh, do their research and pray, prayerfully make a decision. Um, remember the verse that says um, that we give grace uh, and we don't fight over, quote, doubtful disputations. You remember that? You better believe it. And we can do this. It's taking place. Let me just share this right now. Uh, the the governmental edicts that's coming down is the part that is concerning AFA, AFR. And, and we have filed that with some other groups to put a stay on what the government is requiring for any employers, over 100 people to mandate the vaccine. And the Fifth Circuit Court has put a stay on that as of right now. We don't know what the final result will be. But the whole issue is the mandates, and again, that is an issue that uh, AFA is taking up, and you can find out more about it. We've got several things on onenewsnow.com 
and uh, the it should be a personal choice. We stand on that, and neither yeah. way do we say yay or nay. Uh, there's questions, Alex. There's questions, and we don't usually get to this program on exploring the word on these things, but there's questions on either side, and yeah. that's the reason I say we're living by faith, and uh, we know folks that have died from having COVID with other issues, and we know some people that's had some bad results by taking the vaccine. Uh, so, uh, Bert, I, I've done a funeral of a vaccinated person that did everything they could and vaccination and booster and died. But let me say this, too. Um, the way the legal leveraging of COVID has the potential to undermine our constitutional freedoms, I applaud AFA. And really, this um, Fifth Circuit Court hearing AFA's argument, I mean, AFA's out there fighting for our constitutional rights, aren't they? We are, and I praise God for our leadership and what they do and how they do it. It was just like when they wanted the churches to not meet. You and I said we can do it for, what, a while? But when they continued to do it, and we saw it was a issue of religious freedom, uh, we yes. come out and we stand. Yes, we want to comply with those things that – uh, do not do damage to the religious freedom, the Second Amendment rights, and we do that, and we stand with that. But again, there's a time to stand, and the mandate, unless you don't explore the word, uh, AFA is taking a lead against the mandate, Alex. Well, tomorrow we're going to get into Zephaniah. That's going to be exciting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we want everybody to learn how to spell it before tomorrow. How about that? That <laughs> oh, would be man. an assignment. No, it's three wow. chapters, so we can read about the prophet Zephaniah. And, uh, Alex, this is fun, going through the prophets with a bird's eye view. And we're well, going to look at that as well tomorrow. Learning a lot. Folks, tell somebody about Exploring the Word and the great programming of the American Family Radio Network. But most of all, most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.